0: Let's do this. Let's Talk About Talk. Hey there! I'm your communication coach, Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please, call me Andrea. Welcome to Talk About Talk. If you're a lifelong learner, or if you're trying to get noticed and advance your career, or perhaps both, then you're in the right place. Talk About Talk is a learning platform, an online resource where you'll learn how to boost your communication skills. Sure, some people make communication skills look easy, but it's not easy. It takes practice and it takes know how. And that's exactly what I'm here to help you with. If you check out the talkabouttalk.com website, you'll see a variety of resources, including online courses, one on one coaching, academic and white papers, and the email newsletter, which you can think of as your source for free weekly communication coaching. There's also an archive of, well, as of now, 60 podcasts. And I update the website with new resources every single week. At Talk About Talk, we talk about things like networking, communication skills for leaders, and storytelling. In this episode, you'll hear my interview with influencer and speaker Bobby Umar on the power of storytelling. As a five-time TEDx speaker with over half a million Twitter followers, Bobby Umar is a master storyteller. More on Bobby in a minute. In this episode, You'll learn how to make storytelling your superpower. You'll learn how to tell stories in general and specifically how to leverage storytelling in certain contexts such as your personal brand or if you're a marketer the product brand that you manage. This episode complements the previous Talk About Talk episode on storytelling with Harvard professor and author Jerry Zaltman perfectly. I highly recommend that you listen to both of these episodes back to back In that previous episode, Professor Jerry Zaltman and I talk about things like the importance of archetypes and metaphors in storytelling, and how great storytelling involves letting the reader, or the audience, fill in the gaps. I'll leave a link to that episode in the show notes. Okay, let's get into this. I'm going to introduce Bobby Umar to you right now. After the interview, I'll summarize our conversation for you briefly at the end. That way, you don't have to take notes. Just listen and enjoy. And as always, you can check out the printable summary and the transcript in the show notes on the TalkAboutTalk.com website under the podcast tab. I'm really excited to introduce you to our guest expert, Mr. Bobby Umar. As I said, Bobby has over half a million Twitter followers, and he's a five-time TEDx speaker. Bobby's diverse background includes brand marketing at Kraft and Unilever, engineering at Bombardier, and the performing arts at Second City. Some of you may know that I also worked at Kraft in brand marketing. I'm sad to say that Bobby and I missed each other there by a few years, but I'm really excited to talk to him now. Nowadays, Bobby's the CEO of DYPB, Discover Your Personal Brand. And he's the president of Ray Allen, Transformational Training and Speaking. Bobby is one of the most prolific heart-based leaders in North America. He's authored two books, including a number one bestseller, and he's a Huffington Post contributor. Bobby hosted a weekly tweet chat called The Power of Connection that reached over 65 million impressions weekly. To date, his social media influence has garnered over a billion impressions. Yes, billion with a B. Inc. magazine named Bobby one of the top 100 leadership speakers, and he's been named the second best business coach to follow on Twitter, the fourth best leadership influencer, according to Cred a 2015 speaker to watch, and one of the top seven networking gurus to follow. Bobby's also a fiercely proud and committed father, and he's passionate about diversity, gender equality, entrepreneurship, and youth. Thank you so much, Bobby, for joining us to talk about storytelling.
1: I'm happy to be here, Andrea. Thank you so much.
0: My first question is really general. What makes for a great story?
1: Well, I think probably one of the best things you can do as a storyteller is to really create an image in people's mind, to get them to feel and experience what it is that you're expressing, whether you express it in words, like on a page, or whether you express it in words on a stage or on, on a video. But if you can get them to actually envision it and, and join you in that emotional journey, that to me is probably the most powerful way to know that your story is working. Uh, because what you're doing is you're creating reliability and resonance uh, and, and you involve them. So I think that's probably the best way to describe, uh, you know, a really powerful story.
0: So how do you involve them in a story, though?
1: I mean, it's one thing to say it, but is there a how-to? Well, there's lots of things you can do. I mean, for example, you can take people on the hero's journey you know, journey of revelation, transformation, and bringing them back. That that whole kind of cycle or that story arc works really well. Uh, there's immersing the people in what's going on or in terms of drama and intrigue and suspense. There's using certain words that heighten the, the tension of the story. There's asking a question that probes, you know, their insight and, and, and piques their mind so they want to be part of what's going on. Or you just describe something really kind of like jaw-dropping, like, you know, uh, I was flying over, the, flying over the hills and we were all about to die. Whoa, okay, now what? And, And things like that. So there are different ways to get them to be involved. So there's the the immerse your audience and the experience. There's the drama, the intrigue, word choice. There's vulnerability. There's lots of different things you can do to immerse your audience into your story.
0: You talked about the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. And as I was preparing for this interview, I was thinking, is it possible that storytelling as a topic itself might be possibly wearing itself out it's a really really popular topic i know that it's one of the most searched terms that i have on my website you know everywhere we look there's master classes on storytelling by famous authors you know fiction and nonfiction, right and when i was doing some research for archetypes i came across the hero's journey over and over again and they talked about how it's become almost formulaic with disney and
1: Mm -hmm. do you have any comments on that Well, I mean, I would say that to the first point, our story is getting old or tired. No, I don't think so. I think that... Uh, we're evolving how we tell stories all the time. I mean, now you look at that uh, three D visualization and uh, ER, and and there's so many different ways to tell stories. Uh, I think that that changes all the time. Uh, some of the best movie makers, like you know Steven Spielberg, for example, the first movie he did was different than what he's doing now. I mean, if you look at Jaws or something like Ready Player One; it's completely different. Uh, I, th- I think the the really issue, the issue really, is when people focus on more of a formulaic approach as opposed to creating uh, focus on the originality. And on the content, on the characters, and when you, and the themes, and when you focus on those things, yeah, then you're going to get a better job than just doing, make it a formulaic, boy gets girl, boy to girl, girl, boy gets girl again, that type of thing. So, you know, formulaic, I like to call it a framework. Formulas are boring, but right. a framework is a structure that helps you create a compelling story as long as you can focus on the elements and do them in a very, very impactful way. then the other thing i'll say is that now people want to learn how to tell better stories uh with virtual meetings because they're working with remote teams and they want to be able to tell better stories online because they're trying to find a way to break through the clutter break through the virtual stuff break through the diminishing trust that we have that's out there and so storytelling is just a great way to do that so i'm seeing the story stories are constantly evolving across all different mediums and all different industries and that's why i think it never gets old. It's the same thing like uh, it's the same thing why there's always gonna be someone to help you with networking, there's always gonna be someone to help you with finding a date or your know, find a matchmaking. Some of these things that people really care about, storytelling, love, related really connecting with people, these are things that are gonna last forever. Right. The thing about storytelling is that it's a it's a it's a framework and a foundation for connecting and relationship building and pitching and exactly. presentations and all this kind of stuff. If you want to connect to people on a human level, no matter what the objective is, personal or professional storytelling is very well. So, so if I'm on a date and I tell a story, like, let's say when I met my wife, I told a story about how I ran a musical theater company, and she was like, oh, musical theater, I love musical theater. Okay, and next thing you know, there's interest. Mm, right? Weird. So storytelling is powerful across all different ways. So, of
0: So you started to answer my next question then, and the truth remains that it's not authors, it's not writers that are inquiring about how to be better storytellers, right? It's managers, it's leaders, it's it's students, it's people that are going on dates, it's people, it's all, everybody wants to become a better storyteller. Why is it that stories are so engaging versus, you know, I don't know, a PowerPoint presentation with facts and figures and charts, which should appeal to us from a rational perspective,
1: right? Well, a couple of reasons. Storytelling makes uh, things more memorable, more impactful, and and longer lasting. Uh, At the same time, I think that Stories are just a way to humanize people. Stories, they say more than what you're actually saying versus just the number on the page. And so I think that's another way, reason why stories are far more compelling to people. And that's why they, people are using them all the time.
0: Yeah, I've heard over and over again that uh, um, people remember emotions more than they remember yeah. facts. Absolutely. And stories impart emotions, right?
1: Yeah, stories, stories make people feel a certain way. So they feel what you're feeling. They, they feel the message more. And then they feel compelled to change. So, you know, stories are a way to compel people to change their beliefs, to change their actions. And to change their attitudes and that's why storytelling again is very powerful
0: and maybe change your opinion about someone right like you said your wife was
1: suddenly intrigued yeah um. well i mean and you take let, let, let's say you have a stiff supervisor you know that you don't don't like but then three people that know him or her tell the story some story about them being vulnerable or being silly or fun all of a sudden it's it may start to shift the attitude around that person because you start to see it that's why vulnerability is so important when i work with clients i say look being vulnerable is so helpful so if you want to do that it actually humanizes you and it makes you more relatable. And I think uh, vulnerability, and the, the data from uh, Brennan Brown's research shows that vulnerability is a, is a powerful connector to people. And so when you're vulnerable, people are more willing to be vulnerable with you. And so when you do that for anybody, no matter how stiff they may seem, they start to become more human.
0: I agree, as you were saying that, I was imagining we're connecting with each other on so many dimensions, right? Like we kind of have an affect, we like each other or we don't like each other, it's either positive or negative, but then there's, if the person has allowed themselves to be vulnerable, we feel like they've opened a door, It maybe into their soul or into their true being, which relates to personal branding, which I know is yeah. one of your other areas of expertise. Yes. So, can you talk a little bit about the connection between storytelling
1: and personal branding? Well, simply put, your story is your brand. Your brand is your story. So the way my personal brand has become the way Bobby is now is from the very day I was born. So if you look back back in the day, even when I was a young child when I was 6 or 10 or 12 years old, I was a connector. I was a social butterfly. I, w- I like to make people laugh. I like to make people smile. That thing has been part of my personal brand journey since, since I've been a little kid. And so that's part of who I am. It's a big part of who I am. Other people may have a story where they they were analytical and they did science experiments and they did a lot of data analytics and now they're you know a scientist or something. It starts with that. The other thing that I've I've learned too, uh, and more recently, is that you know when it comes to telling stories, the people who struggle is because they don't really know their personal brand. Mm. They don't they do, and the personal brand is broken out in several areas. One is the self awareness and self analysis of who you are and what you're all about and what your strengths are. The second piece is knowing how people perceive you and how they relate to you and connect to you. And when you know those things, then you can design a brand. Uh, that's targeted for that audience to know how they feel and create a story that's far more aligned with your brand and it's far more compelling. So when I tell stories, it, I think about the person that is part of my target audience and I create a far more compelling story. And so you know, having a framework for a brand and knowing what that personal brand is and having a framework for your story, both those things together is what you could use to craft the right story for that right person.
0: Okay, I have so many questions to ask you based on that. Um, Yeah, there's so so much. (laughs) So your personal brand is certainly not a blank slate, right? You have your history.
1: It already exists, that's correct.
0: Yeah. So two questions from that. One is, imagine your slate is as blank as it could be. So maybe you are a 23-year-old recent graduate who's starting a new job, you're self-aware enough to know what your strengths and weaknesses are and you know what your employer is looking for, what are some things that you can do strategically to
1: manage your personal brand? Well, the first step to managing your personal brand is to understand what it is. So doing the work. And here's the thing. Most people don't want to do the work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oftentimes because they're afraid of it. Uh. Um, But you know, it requires you to get feedback from your peer group and from people around you just to basically ask them, tell me what you think of me. Tell me how I make you feel. Tell me what kind of emotional experience I give you because that's what it is. Your brand is your reputation, how you're perceived, the emotional experience that people feel from you. So do you want do you want to know that you're kind of a jerk? Do you want to know that you're always late? Do you want to know that you know uh, you're not reliable? I mean, you have to do the work to find that out because you, you've got to be willing to take the strengths and the weaknesses. So that and that deep dive analysis is what you do. A lot of people don't want to do that, but that's the first step is to actually dive into that self
0: i understand why people might not want to do that right because you as you said you're potentially learning something very negative about yourself but imagine that you are compelled to truly understand and become more self-aware so that they can manage their personal brand optimally what are the questions that you would ask people to get to that you know what is the maybe uniquely negative thing about me or what is the thing that that bugs people about me What Mm -hmm. what do you ask them to get to
1: that Well, that's a good question. So normally when I do personal branding, I take people through kind of a signature methodology that I've created where we go through personality traits, uh, skills, interests, values, and things like that. So you can ask people about those things. What do you think are my top skills, my top values, things like that? But you can also ask things like, you know, what are my top three strengths? What are my top two weakness areas? Do I remind you of a, a character in a book or in a movie? And if so, why? And those types of questions are ones you, you can actually really extract a lot of information in terms mm-hmm. of, of how people perceive you and what are some of the themes that come out. So when you do a lot of this work and do a really good deep dive across the board, because there's three ways to do the deep dive. One is do your own self-assessment. The other is to get the assessment of others. And the third is to do, is to do online assessments. And when you do that you know, broad range of assessments, you get like this voluminous amount of you know, 10 pages mm-hmm. of information. What are the threads and themes that stick out? Yeah. We're the ones that are consistently shown across the board. Like when I did my own personal injury, the thing that came up that screamed at me was Bobby loves people, right? And so it told me that when I worked as an engineer in front of a computer for 10 hours a day and never talked to anybody, that's why I was miserable. Yeah. Right? So I was, no matter what I do moving forward, it better darn well have to do with people. And it's very empowering. It's very validating. So you know, that, 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 that to me was really powerful too.
0: Yeah, and it, and then I guess it allows you to focus in that area so that you're telling the story, right, in the way that is not only compelling to you, but compelling to everybody else. And it just makes sense because you're going to be providing evidence of it all the time.
1: Yeah, right? although, the sec, although the second piece is, you know, once you've discovered your brand, then you focus on designing the brand. So this is where you look at your target audience, what your objective is. So when it comes to a story... Who is my target audience? What's my objective? What do I want them to do? What do I want them to feel? What do I I want them to believe? Then I tell those stories. So for example, you know, my main story on my website is about how I felt felt lost in my career and how I want to help people not feel lost anymore and feel more fulfilled. That's my journey of having four different careers. And so I tell that 3 minute story because I want people to know that I've been there, but I also want to help them get to where, where, where I am now. And so you can do, you can create a story that's perfectly aligned for your target audience as long as you do the work.
0: Sounds like what, as you said, back to Steven Spielberg, it sounds like going back to what a movie director would do, right? You're not, you're not creating a movie in a vacuum. You're also thinking about what, what the audience is looking for. So that makes sense. Yeah. The second question that I was going to ask you related to your personal history is, is there a difference? And maybe it's just semantics. That's t- perfectly okay. But what's the
1: difference between your personal brand and your reputation? They're very similar. I mean, your yeah. reputation is basically how people perceive you personal branding it takes that to a higher level like it's more about the emotional experience it's uh, it's cumulative it continues it evolves it goes on and on mm-hmm. your reputation is is more like a snapshot okay well, right now in this moment in time what's my reputation okay it's this personal brand is far more complex because you can also manage your, your personal brand and you manage your reputation too but your reputation is based on action so there are a lot of similarities but ultimately the personal brand is far more complex because it's based on your values, your beliefs, your actions, your history, the people around you and how they perceive you. Uh, reputation is more like uh, uh, taking uh, a sample and, and then you know, 80% of people think you're a jerk. Okay, 80% of people think you're amazing. Okay, that's nice, that's your reputation. Right. But your brand's more complex and more nuanced.
0: Okay, so one name keeps coming, popping into my mind as you're describing all of this, yeah. and that's Hillary Clinton.
1: Okay. Whoa. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, political. I don't know if you've done any thinking about that, but I've done some thinking and reading sure. her and her personal brand. Yeah. And I, I've actually heard her say that she really struggled to come up with a story. She has a reputation and she knows that she's smart and she's done the work, but her story, like she, she lived a life of privilege, right? She didn't live the hero's journey. And it wouldn't right. be authentic to pretend that she had any sort of hero's journey because there, there really wasn't any strife that she had to work through. Have you thought about that at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the challenge with people who particularly are older and have a very rich and complicated history is that they don't know what story to, to focus on, mm. right? So I think that's, that's a challenge. I mean, if you watch the documentary about her life, you know, one of the things that, you you know, maybe, maybe her story could have just been like, I really care about being an ally. Right. All my life I've been an ally and you show example after example after example. And maybe that could have been the story. Mm. Right. Even when she was in college in, in university, she didn't follow the norm and she spoke up against things that most people wouldn't. That could have been a brand. That could have been the main story. But you know, I've always spoken up and get, you know and, and rubbed people the wrong way. And that also strikes at the misogyny that happens in, in in our system, right? So I think there's a lot there that could have been shared. But I think the other problem, of course, is that most people and it's happening now too, like in, uh, you know, whether with Joe Biden or, or, you know, other politicians is that, you know, when you're, when you're 60 years old, you have an entire life. And so people are people, do people define you when you are 30 of a thing you did in your are 30, or when you're, when you're 40, I, mean, I hope not because I said some dumb things in my twenties and you know, if, if I went into politics and that came up, uh, I'll say, look, that that's like, you know, one small dumb thing I did, but you know, the nuance of my entire story is that Bobby's been a connector. He's uh-huh. always been a connector. He always is friendly to people. He always listens. He has empathy. And that is absolutely been there since I was six. And you can't, you can't doubt that. So then, you know, and all those other small things, they start to fall by the wayside because they're not as important.
0: Brilliantly put, Bobby, I have to say, maybe Hillary should have come and talked to Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious because I, I think that that was a big part. I think when I think about it in the context of this interview, she has check marks in terms of her reputation, but she didn't engage with people emotionally because she really didn't have a story or she has a story to tell, but she wasn't telling it. She wasn't being
1: proactive. Yeah. Although, right. I, I, although I wouldn't, uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that's the only thing. I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a common systemic thing that happens that women have to check, women often feel they have to check, put their most in check because of massaging the world, because, of, because that's how they have to be in the boardroom or in the corporate space and things are changing for the better, but we're not there yet. So I think those, there are a lot of things there too that are kind of complicated and nuanced. Oh that, uh, you know, shouldn't be ignored.
0: But, but you, you mentioned advocacy is one of the roles that she's had. And she could say yeah. that she's been advocating for women this entire time. And look what she yeah. personally endure.
1: It all, yeah. it works. Yeah, because p- part of the challenge is if you say, well, I'm, I'm, I, I'm here for everybody. The problem is sometimes people feel like uh, it, it gets lost. It's like when you do a, tar- when, you do, when you target a story or for a brand, you say, I- who's your brand? Like, for example, I run, a, I run a personal branding course. Who's the course for well, technically it's for everybody, but I can't say that because then no one's going to want to take it. Right. I say I, I say I focus on these two key demographics. Then, you know, then we can just focus on stories just around those two things and really yeah. build a brand around that, those two things.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, so this also all relates to marketing and brands. And yeah. um, as we were talking just before we pressed record, you and I both had some experience working in uh, marketing at craft Foods. And can you... Tell the listeners a little bit about the significance of storytelling for brands.
1: Well, I mean, it's kind of like when you create a customer avatar and you want to market to those people, you have to understand their stories and who they are and what they're all about. Because stories tell you about your values, your belief, your culture, you know, your, sex, your demographic, your psychographic. Can I so just you, interject? Yeah.
0: You remember what the avatar was at Kraft? It was young,
1: busy moms. Oh, was it? Okay. I I, I didn't remember that. Okay. <laughs> Young Busy mom. Sure. Young Busy Moms. Uh, they, and they had right. an acronym, the YBM. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, getting, getting them really quick, short, easy recipes to put together for their, for their dinner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you think, so one is to focus on the stories of those, those the, that customer avatar. That's one thing. And the second thing is that when you create, a, let's say, a commercial or an ad, You have to tell a story. Here's a story of this young, busy mom who's struggling to take the soccer practice, make dinner, but then she's working on her job and then she's coming home and, oh my God, I only have, you know, 20 minutes to make some dinner and what do I have in the fridge? Oh, look, there's Kraft cheese and all this, you know, and then next thing you know, but that's the story. And that story sells because it's relatable. It humanizes you. So is it that the brand is a prop in the story of the consumer? Hmm. Good question. It depends. It depends on the brand. I mean, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, some, some brands have a story behind them. Like, again, I used to work crap on cheese. And so we looked at, uh, the jail craft premium cheese that they had, there was a whole story around the, the craftsmanship and uh, the time it took to make that cheese. And they had this heritage. whole history, the heritage around that. So they had that. Whereas, you know, KD might be a little different where it's like, Oh, okay. You know, like it's just cool and hip and young people do this. And, you know, but, but there's a story about the young people as well. Uh, and so maybe that one seems more like a commodity in terms of telling the story about being a young hip cool person uh but i think that again i think every i think every brand has a story behind it right
0: can you think of any any brands that are in our marketplace right now that are doing a great job of using
1: storytelling there's so many but i think the first one that comes to my mind is nike always uh, it's always only, nike only because yeah i mean look we we are now at a time of an elevated uh, heightened awareness of racial injustice. Five years ago, people, so many people mocked Colin Kaepernick, but now we have an entire football team not even showing up for the anthem because they're protesting. And it's becoming more and more acceptable for everyone to do that. And so that awareness has been huge. And Nike you know, put some ads out where they, their message was, had nothing to do with selling sneakers, just saying, this is something we believe in, we support here's why it's important and that's it and they're all they're doing is they're selling their values they're selling their beliefs that's powerful and uh, you know brands that are able to do that and stay ahead of the curve uh, are the ones I think are going to come out ahead
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and and back to my question about using the product as a prop in the story Mm -hmm. I've heard that Nike's strategy is really focused on the idea of heroes Mm -hmm. so celebrating heroes yeah heroes wearing Nike again, as a prop, right? And so Colin Kaepernick has become a huge hero, and it's just become even more reinforced recently, right? And here we are.
1: Yeah, and I I think the whole point of storytelling is that people people invest in people. People invest in stories. They invest in values and beliefs and culture. And if a brand is associated with those things, then they're more likely to buy those things. But ultimately, it's about the people and the stories and the beliefs and the culture.
0: Okay, so I have one more question for you before we move on to the five rapid fire questions that is related to all of this. If there's a brand manager out there, say it's for a startup, and back to the blank slate, imagine your brand is a blank slate because there's no brand equity associated with it whatsoever. How would you, I guess in general terms, go about coming up with a story for your brand?
1: Well, again, for the brand thing, I mean, the main thing to keep in mind is like, you know, where do you want that brand to be? Right. So that, that's that's an important piece. How is a brand currently perceived? Where do you want that brand to be? And, uh, you know, people need to see a brand message over seven times before they start actually believing it and start to, right. start to shift their mindset around it. That, that to me, is an important piece. But you have to talk to your customers. You have to talk to the customers, see how they perceive it. What would be ideal for you? Where would you like to see this product or this brand be in, in six months or two years and this like that, and see what they say? And then carve out a strategy that allows you to try to move things along in that direction.
0: Right. Right. And putting the lens on it to not, as, as we learned, not do everything that the consumer tells us, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, you also have to like take that into consideration, right? I mean, part of our job as, as brand experts or brand managers is to also uh, evolve the audience to where we think they should go. I mean, Apple does a good job of, you know, looking to the future and saying, you know, this is where we want to be. And eventually... Moving people that way. I'm the same way too when it comes to personal branding. Like I'm spending a lot of my time educating the uh, the audience. I'm educating companies and employers about about the importance of branding, about the importance of thought leadership, about the importance of storytelling. Because a lot of people just aren't on board yet; they don't get it. So we we spend a lot of time educating and taking them the way they want to go. Seems like a no brainer to me. Yeah, but you know, like this because you you're you and you. Totally I drank the Kool Aid. Yeah, but a lot of people haven't. That's fine. It's, it's amazing when people have not. So. There's always powers and variables at play that you know hold people back fear doubt you know uh, prop, uh the pressure to be profitable and things like that so it's, it's challenging for people
0: okay so if you don't mind we're going to move on to the five rapid fire questions now
1: let's do it, it, to it
0: to bobby's brain and learn about his story a little bit are you ready okay.
1: yeah i'm ready
0: first question what are your pet peeves
1: my pet peeves are hypocrisy and ignorance. I find those things to be extreme, and people just aren't aware of those things. They don't—they don't see how hypocritical or ignorant they are when they say or do things. I find that really to be a, a huge, huge problem.
0: Mm. Have you ever heard someone or read someone who was trying to use storytelling
1: and they ended up sounding hypocritical? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think it happens a lot. I mean, uh, a perfect example actually are, are the racial the racial injustice ones. The people who are you know deemed to be you know racially mm-hmm. insensitive and they tell a story about how yeah, well, I I, you know, I had a friend who was you know a person of color. Well, that <laughs> and that story just comes across as you know just meaningless or hypocritical because they don't really get it. They're not listening.
0: That's a great example. It's very timely and also very common.
1: Yeah, it happens all the time.
0: Okay, second second rapid-fire question. What type of learner are you?
1: So I'm a, I'm a learn by doing and a visual learner. Visually, I learn, but I'm I'm more like I like to get my hands in and just do it and learn by doing. I just do stuff. People often say if you read books, I'm like actually, I don't read many books. I'm not a learn by reader at all. I'm not an academic learner. I am a learn by doing. Mm. Visual is also something that's really powerful for me. But and I'm also I'm also learn by listening. So I think I've learned a lot by you know, thousands of conversations I've had over the years with people to you know learn about stuff. So for me, that's kind of how I learn.
0: Next question you have answered implicitly probably twenty times in the last several minutes. Yeah. Introvert or
1: extrovert? Oh, I'm an extrovert. I mean, I Myers <laughs> I'm Briggs. Yeah, yeah. My, you know, I remember doing Myers Briggs, and my extrovert was a hundred percent, like a hundred percent, completely, like completely. And you know, it's funny. Nowadays, in my old age, per se, I'm I'm down to like sometimes ninety five. Oh my gosh, a little Uh Yeah, so I'm getting I'm getting tame in my years. It's still it's still a ninety five to hundred percent.
0: Okay. Next question. Communication preference for personal communication.
1: Hmm, usually, I text them. Text text, text is fast. Uh, and the other thing too, like uh, I've turned off all my notifications from Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, messages, and tweets. Like you can't. If I go in, I'll see them. But otherwise, I won't see them. So the only way to really message me is a text, a phone call, or a WhatsApp that's it so for me uh, text and whatsapp are probably the quickest ways to get my attention
0: got it so I'm interested in your notifications comment Uh, how many times a day do you go in and check your social media
1: oh probably far too much but uh, you know uh, sometimes on a good day I'll go in the morning and do my thing and then I'll leave and then I'll check at lunchtime and I'll check maybe, like on a good day, it'll be maybe four to five times per day. Mm-hmm. On a bad day, it might be like 20, yeah. <laughs> you know, every half an hour, every hour, whatever, like that type of thing. But, uh, you know, uh, I I admit my, my my challenges there, but turning off my notifications has been a game changer for in terms of me getting my work done. I think that's been really tremendous. Um, you know what uh, I did?
0: Um, I, I did, you may have done this as well, but I turned off all my notifications and I put them yeah. all in one. File, and Mm. I put the file on the second page on my phone. So when I turn my phone on, I don't even see that.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay,
0: it's consistent with the nudge theory, right? Like I'm nudging myself along in the direction that I want to go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, and and again, the studies show that the notifications are designed scientifically to get your attention. So by turning them off, that was a game changer. I I I started that. Beginning of 2019, two years ago. It's been great. Okay, last question. Is
0: there a podcast, a blog, or an email newsletter that you find yourself recommending the most
1: lately? Well, I mean, I I love listening to Gary Vaynerchuk every time he shares something on Instagram or I'm I'm on his email newsletter. That's a really good one. And then in terms of podcasts, well, my favorite one is Pod State of America. And I'm very political. So like, I love hearing what they have to say. I, I find that stuff to be extremely fascinating.
0: Great. I'll put links to those in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience about storytelling or
1: personal branding or? Well, I think ultimately they all come down to building a thought leadership brand for yourself. If you want to become a thought leader in your field, no matter what it is, you have to work on your relationship building and networking. You have to work on your ideas and content generation. You have to work on your your communication and speaking and writing skills. And so, storytelling helps in all those things, and they all help in relation building. Because if you want to become a thought leader, work on storytelling, work on relationship building, work on branding, and you're going to actually be able to take your thought leadership brand uh, and take that to that next level. And so, I think everyone should invest in those things to do so. And if people need help, I have programs and coaching stuff that I do. I, I feel like
0: your message there is that storytelling is the tactic that you can use, as you said, in your networking, in the development of your personal brand, in everything, that, in your reputation management, in everything that you're doing. And so it's it's actually not a tactic, it's a strategy.
1: And I'm seeing it now because before before my tactic was always uh, power of connection. That's my my hashtag. I said power of connection is the way that you do everything better. But now I'm seeing the storytelling is one of the best tactics that actually helps with the power of connection to build all those things I talked about around sponsorship. So I'm using storytelling as my flagship tactic uh, to help people do those things.
0: Yeah, A tactic almost sounds like it, it's trivial. It's, it, it sounds like
1: it's worthy of being called a strategy. But Well, skill, I mean, you know, whatever it is. Like, you know, if, if you want to build a superpower, storytelling is the one. You know, and before it used to be speaking, communication, empathy, those types of things. But storytelling can actually encompass all those things.
0: If storytelling is your superpower, then you are a superhero. Go yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. Well, if you weren't already convinced, now you know for sure. Storytelling is a superpower. Thank you so much to Bobby Umar for sharing his passion and expertise about storytelling. And if you want to connect with Bobby, I've included links to his social media and his other websites in the show notes. Let me summarize everything for you now. As always, you can access this in the show notes on the TalkAboutTalk.com website. Okay, so storytelling is a superpower. Let me back up. According to Bobby, if you want to become a thought leader in your field, you have to work on three things. One, your relationship building and networking. Two, your ideas and content generation. And three, your communication and speaking and writing skills. I love this. It got me thinking. Bobby said that storytelling helps in all three of these areas. Storytelling can take your relationships, your content, and your communication skills to the next level. That's why storytelling is a superpower. Thank you for this insight, Bobby. When I was thinking about these three things, I realized that the relationships are the who, the content is the what, and the communication skills are the how. This is such an elegant recipe for success. Relationships, content, and communication skills. Who, what, and how. And storytelling can elevate all three of these things. So whether you're on stage giving a presentation, interviewing for a new job, pitching a client, or going on a first date, storytelling is powerful. Stories impart emotions. They make things more memorable and more impactful. So question, how do you tell a powerful story? Well, as Bobby says, you can always take people on a hero's journey. It works. A journey of revolution, transformation, and then bringing them back. It's a powerful cycle or story arc. Regardless, you wanna create credibility with your story. Involve and resonate with the audience. Take them on an emotional journey. Immerse them in drama and intrigue and suspense. A few other pointers. First and foremost, allow yourself to be vulnerable. Brene Brown is 100% right. Also, choose your words carefully, ask lots of questions, and as Bobby says, describe something that's jaw-dropping. That's how you tell a powerful story. I also asked Bobby about storytelling and your personal brand. He said, simply put, your story is your brand, and your brand is your story. There are two steps to creating your personal brand. Step one is to know who you are. This takes hard work. You might learn some things that you don't want to hear. In identifying your personal brand, you should consider three sources. Self-awareness and self-analysis, input from your colleagues and others, and online assessments. If you do it right, from these three sources, you can end up with pages, and pages of descriptors. In those pages and pages, you'll find themes. And the main theme is your personal brand. Bobby talked about how his personal brand, his story, is all about how he loves people, how that shapes what he does, and how that makes him a connector. All right, that's step one. Step two, then, in linking storytelling to your personal brand, is to think about your target market and your objectives. Maybe the target market is your employer, and your objective, is to get promoted. Or maybe the target market is an audience for a presentation that you're giving and your objective is to establish credibility and teach them something. Combining this target market and objective with the personal brand you identified in step one, you can now craft your ideal story. I loved Bobby's advice to older, more experienced folks who are seeking to identify their personal brand. There's so much richness and history, it can become overwhelming, right? but you don't need to rewrite your own hero's journey. Look at your history and identify the themes. Like for Hillary Clinton, it could be that she's an ally or an advocate. These themes themselves can be powerful stories. The last thing I want to summarize here is how marketers can leverage storytelling for their brands. According to Bobby, there are a few different ways to do this. For example, after defining your brand's target market, specifically that one consumer avatar, make sure you understand and tell that avatar's stories. Then, the brand could be a prop in the story, so the brand is the hero, but not necessarily. You could also share a story that demonstrates the brand values and the brand beliefs, like Nike's done so exceptionally well with Colin Kaepernick. All right, that's it for this episode on the power of storytelling. Thanks again to Bobby Umar for sharing his expertise with us. I have one last thing. I'm on a mission to grow the Talk About Talk email newsletter distribution list. Have you subscribed yet? If not, I really hope you will. This is a weekly newsletter, never more than once a week and no spam, not ever, I promise. What do you get? Well, I summarize the bi weekly podcasts, I share links to other communication skill resources, I share quotes about communication skills, and other behind the scene insights from Talk About Talk. Basically, it's free communication skills coaching. Just go to talkabouttalk.com to sign up. Or you can email me and I'll sign you up directly. I always, always love hearing from you. You can email me anytime at andrea at talkabouttalk.com. That's it. Thanks again for listening. Good luck with your storytelling. And talk soon.